0: I, 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 they did did or you did the, the Easter egg hunt is overrated. The Easter egg hunt is highly overrated because it's unless there's money in the egg, it's overrated and I've got enough money over
1: overrated for the kids. All right. Welcome to big facts. Happy (laughs) Easter for everyone out there and appreciate anyone who joins us uh, during your Easter. Hope you had a great meal. Hope you hopefully had some great time with family. Um, if you're going to be watching viewing commenting, please comment on the big facts page so we can see what's going on Justin, how are we doing today, bud?
0: I'm doing fantastic, man. The kids had a good Easter The bunny was great for them uh, My wife said as we were coming on here that the Easter egg hunt seems great until you have multiple children and they argue about who found more eggs So it's it's all overrated. that makes good Easter, Saw some family for the first time in a while because of the Rona, um Got to see some cousins we haven't seen in a while. And grandparents got to see the little baby. And, yeah, it was a good Easter, man. We had a good time. Is that,
1: le- is that legal now up there? You can have well, family I can give gatherings? I what's
0: legal, buddy? It doesn't matter what's legal.
1: Are you going to get, get caught on StreamYard Live?
0: Tom Th- 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 Wolfe Th- Tor- Thort- can thormor? come to my door. My, 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 my information is public. Tom Wolf's more than welcome.
1: All right. So let's let's start with the most recent um thing that's happened over the last couple of days. We'll get into the Zags game, which was unbelievable. I want to talk about more in the middle of the program. Uh the Phillies just swept the Braves uh with some dominant starting pitching. Uh opening day was obviously a thriller, went into uh, the tenth. And then the last two games Will Gene you get...
0: Segura walk off to start the season?
1: <laughs> yeah, and then you get some absolute gems um from Eflin and wheeler and i, I was watching Dude, all some the of way the way
0: across the board man even that even that game by nola they they have yeah. they, this team going in right like first of all last year was the first year that Girardi had the the team it was that weird fucking covid season with 60 games yeah. there was a lot of reasons why that season did not go well last year for the phillies um they still had clintack and mcphail in place dave dombrowski is a real baseball guy now just just like we talk about daryl morey for the sixers They have a real guy that can build a team now, isn't afraid to spend money. Joe Girardi's got, I don't want to say continuity yet, because, again, they only had 60 games last season, but these guys know him and his style a little bit better. The big question mark going in, right, they re-signed JT Real Muto and D.D. Gregorius in the offseason. The lineup looks set. We didn't have much concern. Hazley gets hurt, so your center fielder is in question now. queue uh, up Oduble Herrera and that fucking nonsense I had to deal with through spring training of he's a wife beater and all this other bullshit. Um, but the, the lineup was never going to be the problem. The fear was, was, will the bullpen with the pieces that they got look as good as, as they should, and will the starting pitching be okay? We know that Aaron Nola can handle himself. He's going to win you 9 to 11 games a year. He'll give you six innings. Most nights of one or two run ball, Aaron Ola's a, a B-plus pitcher. Zach Wheeler's an ace, like we saw yesterday. Zach Wheeler dominated the Braves, who, who are the, the fa- by, far, by far the favorite to win the division. And Eflin was the big first question mark, was what, what does 3, 4, and 5 look like for this, this rotation? Right. And when it comes down to the end of the season, 3 and 4 are really important. You're not going to have a five-man rotation come to the postseason, but 3 and 4 are important. And Eflin has been, a lot like we talk about Kyler Murray, on the edge of the next step of his career. Eflin, we're not expecting Eflin to be Zach Wheeler or, or Zach Greinke or Clayton Kershaw, but he's got to be able to give you some quality quality games. Yeah. To start the season, seven innings, eight strikeouts, four hits, one walk. Um, Eflin had a, a phenomenal game. Uh, Knapp came in and gave uh, JT a, a day off and hit a home run. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. This
0: team, I've been saying, it, I've mentioned it a couple of times on here, and I know I've said it to you personally yeah. probably a dozen times. This Phillies team is so much better than they're getting credit for because of how bad last year was when we talk about the atlanta falcons having a uniquely bad season last year the phillies were uniquely bad last year they were yeah. way worse than their ability and a sweep of of the braves to start the season is gigantic it's huge
1: now one point i want to bring up too is like what this is philadelphia right so there are certain parks that have just a different home field advantage. And there was 11,000 people there um, over the last couple of days uh, with some lifted restrictions. So you just made a a point about, you know, comparing someone to a football player. And I want to also make a point. I, I truly think just when you're in a Philadelphia crowd, especially for pitchers, man, when I used to pitch, it was su- such a different game when there was a, t- a big crowd a ton of people watching than it was with just you versus the other team and it makes a big difference going sure. into the 5th 6th 7th inning for these guys that's arms are getting a little tired and the crowd's pumped up and Wheeler's still gunning at 98 in the 7th inning it w- it was a uh, it's a different feeling for Bryce Harper a guy that feeds off it so i start thinking to myself i'm like am i kind of are we as a, a as a town are we so down on the Eagles as well, not even realizing that by the time the season comes around, we're, they're going to be at 75 to 100% capacity, it seems like. We're not sure how it's going to be, well, but they're planning on I having think, back seats. I,
0: I think it could be, man. I think it's going to depend on, what, obviously, what your roster looks like. You need talent to win football games. And after last season, this roster seems so devoid of talent at so many different yeah. places. But, yeah, I mean, if, if Howie does buy the – I mean, we, the, he signed a, a decent safety in free agency. I'm not upset with that move. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not upset with moving from 6 to 12. I'm a little bit irritated no. about the timing of it. I think you probably could have gotten even more value if you waited until a day or two before or even to draft night. But what's done is done. If, if they address the, the question mark now becomes Nick Sirianni, right? Like, yeah. we know that Jalen Hurts has enough bare bones ability to be a Teddy Bridgewater or a Tyrod Taylor, meaning that if you put him in the best case scenario, he's probably going to succeed. So is is Nick Sirianni capable of, of putting together whatever fucking Frankenstein amalgamation of talent Howie Roseman hands him? I think that that X factor of of the the fans is going missing. I mean, this is, again, why I say I don't care what anybody tells me. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going back to the Super Bowl. I'm not ready to say that they're going to win that game right now. I'm not ready to say – yeah, all 22 starters, oh, for probably the first time since 1970. Like, since free agency started, I bet you it's the first time all 22 starters are back. Um, I don't know that for a fact, but I can't believe that it's I, not. I would,
1: bet, I would bet the same, um,
0: yeah. Uh, it, it's the, the, for that same reason. I, there's Because of the, the level of engagement that Tampa Bay has recreated in that fan base, having a 40,000-person a, a stadium packed on Sundays at home it's going to be a whole nother level of what they get out of that team. It's the same reason yeah. why I can't sleep on Kansas City once the fans come back because they're a passionate fan base. And I think the point about the Eagles is, is a great point. I, I don't know how much of the, the 8,800 to 10,000 that have been allowed in those first three games for the Phillies made – so, such a huge difference because, again, like you mentioned to me before we came on, they left a lot of guys on base. There was a lot of runners in scoring position that could have crossed and yeah. the bats were a letdown. But, again, the Braves have a very, very good staff of pitchers through from the starting yeah. five all the way through the bullpen. So the fact that they underwhelmed there wasn't too big of a deal to me. But imagine being a an opposing setup guy in the seventh inning in a one-run game. It's different playing a 60 game schedule with no fans allowed in a quiet stadium than playing in in a stadium in citizens bank park in the middle of July with 35,000 people there. It's just different. So there's definitely, I think, I think the Eagles are better than what we think they are. I still think they're probably the worst team in the division, but I think that the entire division will be better.
1: Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting year. And, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the draft because so many teams in that division
0: just can go of, Speaking the of the draft, bro. So I got to, we got to jump on. We got to jump onto a football point real fast. Something that yeah, sure. has been fucking bothering me for days. I understand that the point of the mock draft for the Todd McShays and the Daniel Jeremiah's and the Mill Kuypers are for clicks, right? They're just trying to drive some traffic in this downtime of, of a season leading into the draft. They obviously want to be right because if they're right, they can go next season and say, I'm the right guy, but dude, I just heard this morning, yesterday maybe, I don't remember, it was within the last 24 hours, Todd McShay's latest mock draft has mm. Justin Fields on the board at 11, which just doesn't make sense to me. Like the Jamar Chase to Cincinnati is picking up some heat. Who's so at 11? Uh, so 10 is Dallas, 11 the Giants. Uh, and okay. then 12 is the Eagles. And 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 now I only say at 11 because the Giants in this mock draft, the Giants draft defense, the Eagles draft defense, he's technically available until 13. But there's a projected trade-up from 15 to 11 where the uh, New England Patriots trade up to get Justin Fields at 11. And I just cannot imagine a world where you've got teams like Miami at 6. Miami does not need to stay there. If Justin Fields is on the board at 6, Miami is trading out of that pick. There's yeah. no two ways about it. Like yeah. there's just too Carolina, Denver, New England. There's too many teams that need a guy, and if Justin Fields is the guy that starts to fall, there's somebody's going up to six to get him.
1: Remember that was my last question in our last um, our last session on here. I was like, is is it Like because there's just so many different reports. Like he's the best uh, passer in college football after his first read, and then somebody's telling. Ta- Dan Orlovsky's saying some shit about him not working hard and then he, that people are saying he has no heart and I just watched him come back from a broken ribs and and outperform Trevor Lawrence in a bowl game and I'm being told like he has no heart and there's these up and down narratives about fields but when you actually break down the statistics and actually we talk about this all the time the draft ends up being a statistical uh just Hold our ordeal or that goes on, where people start overthinking the picks. How he does it every single year, he starts Pets. analyzing too much, overstating the picks, and then you're missing out on the guy. And and we missed out on him as well. That was the best player on the field in the bowl game uh, last year. The two best players were who? Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson, correct? I mean, yep. those were the two best players. I just watched a couple bowl games where Justin Fields was the best player on the field, and even against Alabama, and they're just they were just so talented, no one was going to beat them. But Justin Field played a really good game against Alabama. But the best player on that field today was on that day was Devontae Smith. He was completely yeah, no unguardable. Doubt. So we're watching these games and and we start digging into analytics and making excuses why we can't draft this guy. And by all means, Devontae Smith just won the Heisman as a wide receiver. And we're talking about he could drop down to 11, 12, 13. So I, I mean, just This is why I, I
0: say things like the Mac Jones to San Francisco makes no fucking sense to me. There's absolutely no sense you can make out of Mac Jones being the pick. Like, I thought it was nonsensical for Trey Lance, but when you have Jimmy Garoppolo, a project quarterback is acceptable, right? Like, yeah, if he's yeah, ready, right. great. Sure. If he's not, I've got Jimmy G. Right. Mac Jones makes no fucking sense. Mac Jones is as ready for an NFL job as he'll ever be. There's sure. not really a high ceiling there, and you could have gotten him – at where you were like i just right. don't understand how it could be mac jones just like like i don't understand how it could be trey lance but far more don't get it for mac jones it just doesn't well i think you make a knew good point that, that new england was moving up into eight seven or eight to go get mac jones there's no point of going to three for mac jones
1: well, you make a really good point because they've they've stood, stood on this hill for jimmy g saying that even if they don't even if they draft a quarterback jimmy g staying on the roster and yeah. at the end of the day, it almost seems it's not the same situation, but Jimmy G's missed a lot of games over the last three years. And they're just, they just need a guy. Maybe they think that they can develop over the next couple of years until his contract runs out. If he keeps getting injured, they can trade him or let him go. They can develop this guy. And at the same time I can develop him and probably keep my team at 500 in Shanahan's offense when Jimmy G is out with an injury. So it makes exactly. complete sense for them to trade up the drafted quarterback. But if I'm there and I'm thinking <laughs> quarterback, And Justin Fields is there. I don't understand why you take the – if you want a quarterback, I don't understand why you take the project guy instead of the guy that if he shows you what he showed you in college, you can
0: trade Jimmy G right away and get a hell of a lot back. Bro, I have been saying for months, months, that Justin Fields is the best quarterback in this draft. It's not even close. And I don't care about what pro day shows. I don't care about what the, uh, the completion percentage on the first read fucking bullshit is. Part of the the completion percentage of the first read means that Justin Fields has to put the ball right on the first read every single time. So that that being a knock statistic makes no fucking sense to me. When you have a guy that's a surefire, I was just having this conversation the other day with somebody. If the Eagles are on the board at 12 and Justin Fields falls, if Justin Fields is on the board at 12 and I can get... The New England Patriots pick in the second round. I get 15 in the second round to give them Jalen Hurts. I do it so fast, the fucking yeah. floor catches on fire. The ceiling is much you higher. You only have a, a certain amount. This was the Deshaun Watson fall, right? Yeah. And the Patrick Mahomes reach. That's where you, you try to find where to be. And I think that Howie Roseman, being this fucking nerd numbers cat that thinks he's the smartest guy in the fucking room, is looking at 12 as that position. If Justin Fields falls or Trey Lance falls, there's going to be teams in the 15 to 25 range that either need soon or need now and go, well, fuck, this is the guy. Look how far he's slipping. And the Eagles can build another first round pick next year and have four first round draft picks next year. I yeah, think sure. that Jeff Lurie believes Jalen Hurts is the future, but he understands that in order for a quarterback with Jalen Hurts's skill set to succeed and bring home a title, he needs a lot of fucking yeah. help. And if you can amass four first-round draft picks by giving up on a Jamar Chase and now you have four first-round draft picks and who knows what else you build up through the rest of the draft, if Howie doesn't fuck it up, you're going to be golden. But if Howie is Howie, you have four tries in the first round to find somebody that can fucking play. Like That's how this team's looking at it. So I think that while I think the Eagles are still the worst team in this division today— I would not be surprised if they overachieved and Jalen Hurts came out and and was a, a a different guy. But if you're on, if you are at draft day, Howie Roseman, Jeff Lurie, fucking Nick Sirianni, somebody on that team. If anybody listens to this goddamn show, I promise you, all the fans agree. If Justin Fields is at twelve, trade Jalen Hurts for as much as you can get and draft your future franchise quarterback. So let's
1: let's talk about the two narratives surrounding Justin Hurts because or I'm sorry Justin Fields Justin Hurts because one of them one of them has been complete, completely debunked and yeah I, I brought this up to you um everybody makes a big deal first of all and this is the second myth to debunked about Ohio State quarterbacks so let's skip over that for a second I understand that Ohio State quarterbacks we have put beat up goddamn numbers to, in, well, but we yeah, talk about we, Josh Allen we, we, and we Aaron Rodgers yeah, yeah. Every, everybody is always the first person to come from a specific right. school. Patrick Mahomes, be Texas Tech, school. there's, it, there's it a thousand of them. <laughs> throw that out. Um, the biggest knock on him is that Ohio State has a one-read offense and that their quarterbacks go into the NFL and they don't know what to do after the first read and have to learn it and they never end up getting it. Um, I know you don't love pro football focus. But they do these types of analytics and PFF grades on throws past the first read, which means you went to the first read, had to go to your second, third or fourth, uh, minimum 60 attempts. Justin Fields was graded the highest quarterback in college football on throws past his first read since 2009. Uh, The grade given to him was a 906 Zach Wilson was a ninety point one. Trey Lance was an eighty seven point two, and then Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones are actually down at seventh and eighth, which is kind of unbelievable given the amount of talent on the offensive side of most of those rosters. Just everybody going to those schools. Well, bro, I know they're Mac Jones. This is
0: this is the reason why Mac Jones gets so much shit, right? For not being as good as these other guys. Like It was really why Joe Burrow – I mean, a lot of people – we have short-term memory problems in sports. Every sport suffers it. Joe Burrow was the consensus number one overall pick. There was no doubt about that last yeah. season for a second. Yep. But there was a lot of doubt about how his game was going to translate. There was a lot of doubt about how him going to Cincinnati with a banged-up A.J. Green yeah. and a rookie T. Higgins and all the shit that they had and there. And the
1: fact had, that he only did it in one year. Exactly. He had, he had a how okay would he translate? Was a
0: there was question, yeah. right? How yeah. are we not saying, how are we not all taking one step backwards and remembering where we were a year ago? And why does Mac Jones not have any of those questions? Mac Jones looks like an NFL now quarterback because he had a Heisman winning wide receiver and a number two option who very well could be drafted ahead of the Heisman winning yeah. uh, right. Heisman-winning <laughs> wide receiver. Right. That is, yeah. how are we not talking about this? Yeah. The, behind the offensive line they had and the running right. game that they had. Mac Jones might be this. I'm telling you, dude, Mac Jones, like I have the, I have the Trevor Lawrence's name flashes and Matt Leinert's picture pops up. Mac Jones is A.J. McCarron. They're the same fucking size. They have the same level of arm ability that we thought is there. They played for the same powerhouse school with an NFL offensive line, an NFL defensive line, an NFL yeah. running back, an NFL wide receiver against the rest of college. And that is, I think, part of the problem here. Justin Fields showed you against Clemson what he's capable of. He wasn't a one-read quarterback in in that that playoff yeah. game against Clemson. He no. he he went down. He broke down to three, four, five reads sometimes. Like he showed you, he has the extra that that thing that we can't put our hands on. Yeah,
1: he all, well, he's he's going to shine in the biggest moments uh, against the biggest players. And I'll tell you, man, if if you know Ohio State's defense could have kept up with that offense at all I mean they 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 were never close in that game but they were never like that far where if the defense just got like two stops like that's that's the game and they just couldn't they couldn't stop anybody exactly Um, he
0: he had an 87 he got got hurt in an important game and stayed in and played like he's got this is this is the reason why again dude people are sleeping on Jalen Hurts because the the intangible gets overlooked when you're young and unproven Jalen Hurts has been through some shit And every time he's been faced with adversity, he took it in stride. He learned his lessons, whatever he needed to do, he improved. He came back and he took over. Whether it was after he came back at Alabama after Tua beat beat him for his job or the second time Tua took his job and he went to Oklahoma and and still performed. Like This is why guys like Trevor Lawrence who are the anointed ones, this isn't basketball, right? We knew Zion at 16 years old was going to be, as long as he's healthy, a force to be reckoned with in the NBA. LeBron James knew it from day one. Go all the way back to Larry Bird and Michael Jordan. Basketball is a very different type of sport. In football, how many guys are anointed before they they even show up on a college playoff game or wherever they might have to be in their pre-stage to the pros how many guys that were quarterbacks that were anointed came out and became something, right? Like Peyton yeah. Manning I can think of. Peyton Manning was the, the son of Archie Manning and we're going to be the next thing. Eli was, but Eli wasn't as good, no way. I mean, yeah. there's Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback was not the anointed one. Played behind Brett Favre. 20, Russell, Wilson, pick. R- Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, 3rd round yeah. pick was never an anointed quarterback, came out. But how many guys, one through five, in the first round, are talked about for fucking months to exhaustion, burnout? Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Josh Rosen, the, I mean, Paxton Lynch, who, who got traded up for another first Lynch. round. Dude, yeah. there's so many guys where I don't see the value when they know that it's going to be there. They don't try as hard. Like that was the concern with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow yeah. was supposed to have been the guy forever. And he finally got it done. And the one year he did, luckily for him, was his year for draft eligibility. you this, still had
1: questions. And you, st- exactly. you st- everybody still has questions. And,
0: and when I look at the eye test, bro, this is what I think football comes down to so often. You and I talk about this all the time. Football especially. When I watch you play on the field – I can tell the difference between a guy that is worth me running the risk of my franchise on and a guy that would complete my rebuild. This is why I say Jacksonville's making a mistake. You don't start the rebuild with a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence because if that guy doesn't have success early, he burns out. That's what happens to those guys, and that team is so far from complete. That's part of the problem for me.
1: It's it's almost like a Tim Couch situation. It's like there's no, there's no one on that roster. Everybody knows he has the best arm, and he looks like the best player. And then he has to go to this shit city and play for the yeah. shit team. And well, you but know, we'll Baker see what happened.
0: That shit team and did something with it, didn't he? Let's
1: let's let's talk about that for a second. Um, so there's been, and I just want to bring this up because we had a conversation about it on the phone. We've had, we, we compared somebody to Baker Mayfield. I forget exactly who it was. He's just a little more athletic. It might've been, I don't remember who it was. Just the ball came out of his hand the same way he was, he was accurate, whatever.
0: So uh, he, uh, uh, Zach Wilson. Was it Zach Wilson? We were talking I about call, Zach Wilson, I called you and I said, to, I called you and I said to you, is it me or is watching Zach Wilson throw football exactly like watching Baker Mayfield throw football?
1: So so here here's the thing with Baker. I I I, dis, I disagreed with your comparison. But there was a lot of quarterbacks taken that year. And I'll go back and look up how many quarterbacks in a second. But nobody expected Baker Mayfield to be the first pick. And then all of a sudden Cleveland comes on the board and Baker Mayfield was the first pick. And I think Schefter reported it maybe five minutes before they made the decision that they were leaning towards taking Baker Mayfield. And everybody's like, what the hell are they doing? Listen, (coughs) he was not the best quarterback in that draft, right? I think we can agree talent-wise. There's – there's probably one or two guys. If I look back in that draft, I mean, are you? I don't know if you're looking at it right now. Who was drafted? Pulling
0: it up. I'm pulling it up now, so it's difficult for me to tell you that Baker Mayfield was well, no, the best. Well, the, you know what I mean? Because I don't know point, that can call him the best at anything yet.
1: My point though will stand regardless of what his skill set
0: is. So, so the Baker I've got here's here's what we had that season. So I'll Sam just, Darnold, go Josh through. Allen. Yeah, so we have Baker Mayfield one, Saquon Barkley two, Sam Darnold three. Uh, Josh Allen was drafted seventh. Josh Rosen was drafted tenth. Um, bu, 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 bu. Anybody else no Lamar Jackson was drafted thirty second. Steele at thirty uh, second. Ba- Baltimore. Baltimore traded up. Yeah. Um, I still don't think it's a steal cause he's never going to win a Super Bowl, but that's okay. He puts asses in seats. It's,
1: it's 75. Per, it, you just got, you got to keep winning games, but here's the point with Baker. Baker was the, you, if you look back at that draft, you say to me, well, I would take Josh Allen. Um, and I would also take Lamar Jackson over Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield underperformed with all the talent that he's had over the years. He has had great wide receivers, a pretty good O line. He has two great running backs. There has been situations in Cleveland over the last 10 years where everybody thought that with a new coach, a new GM, a new this, a new that, a better defense, that they were finally about to break through. And the problem with all the quarterbacks that went there is Cleveland, first of all, is a shit city to play in. It's hard to stay there for years at a time, and they just seem to have this This, this eerie curse over them, this dark cloud and Baker Mayfield went into his draft interview and he was so confident in his ability. I don't care who drafts me. I don't care if I have to go to Cleveland, I'm going to win football games. So when you hear that from somebody, I'm not sure if there's anybody that sat down with the Cleveland Browns and had the type of ego where they're like, this guy can withstand Cleveland. And regardless of how high the ceilings are for the other guys, I don't know if they would get it in Cleveland. So we give them so a lot of I shit, agree right? with you.
0: I agree with you 100% about what you just said. I think Baker Mayfield's ego is the only reason why he's been successful. Because right. you have gotta be, you know how it is, bro. Again, coming from the sales industry you and I have been in. We started as young salespeople at one point, right? We know what it's like to be in a daunting place and question your ability. And if you don't walk around there, like the biggest, baddest motherfucker on the history of time, you're going to die. Right? Yeah. So like ego is important. Baker's ego is the only reason why he was able to, to get there. And I think Stefanski yeah. gets the most out of the guy with the ego. Now here's my concern. So Baker may be the new age Donovan McNabb. That's my fear. My fear for that franchise is, is they will be relevant. They're going to win games. I would bet if you asked me to lay 10 bucks down, I bet you that over the course of the next 10 seasons, Baker probably wins double digits twice in 10 years. I think that they can make that happen. I think what they've got going on is a good enough foundation to get there. But I don't know that they ever make it over the top because of the size of that ego. Now, if Baker is just a little bit better than Donovan, all he has to do is squash that down the moment Perfect. it needs it, and then you move forward. But my thing with the pick is, even
1: if it never works out and you never win a championship with Baker, you just needed someone to lift that cloud over you and show the Cleveland Browns that they can be a winning franchise. So at this point, We're, if point, exactly. three years down the road, you can move on from Baker. There's no longer a cloud over the Browns. They have now been a good team for, for a couple years. They won sure. a playoff game. They're not like the little brother in the division anymore. Pittsburgh's been stomping on them. The Ravens have been stomping on them yo, for yo, years. Three
0: years from now, three years from now, whoever three years from now, Phillip Rivers is probably goes there on a one-year deal if baker leaves Maybe, because yeah. of, of what they have built you do have like, exactly like i just said the foundation exists and i think that they turn that franchise around with a pick and that's what i mean that's what these teams let me ask you this question who's the yeah. most likely i'm going to make up a list uh, we know that jacksonville is going to take trevor lawrence um let's just assume that the jets go with zach wilson let's yeah. assume that the niners go with I want to say Justin Fields, but all the reports still say Mac Jones. So let's assume that they go with Mac Jones. And then yeah, let's, I, say yeah. that, let's say that let's say Denver ends up with Justin Fields. And who gives a shit about Trey Lance? North Dakota State, I don't care. You talk to me about Ohio State one-read offenses. North Dakota State's a fucking high school team. Anyway, those four guys end up there. What guy makes the biggest difference and what guy turns around the franchise? Now, obviously, Jacksonville and New York really have reputations, right? Like Denver's reputation's not that bad. But what guy goes in and immediately changes the culture?
1: Well, it's not going to be San Fran, right? Because they already have their guy, and unless he gets hurt, the other quarterback's not playing. Unless it is ends up being Justin Fields, and he just shits on Garoppolo in training camp, like he's not. See, they're not seeing the field, right? Uh, Jacksonville, Jacksonville has made a lot of little moves in the offseason as well as the jets, but I'm not sure if either of them are primed to just take a quarterback and all of a sudden win six to eight games,
0: well, no, um, So I don't mean in year one. Cause Cleveland wasn't year one, right? Baker had a struggle year. I mean, what guy with it? Baker was drafted in 2018. He's got three seasons. What, what guy makes that fast of a turnaround in this draft with what, what guys most likely do you think?
1: Well, it's not, it's not the, the really bad teams at the top of the draft, right? So if Fields falls to the Broncos and he's already got a crew of wide receivers and a, a pretty good running back and he just needs to shore up the offensive line and you're playing in Denver at mile high, it's going to be Field. So it all it depends on the situation. Glad I mean, you sa-
0: I'm glad you said that because that leads into what my true question is. Yeah, so we're both. I don't want to call us out on Mac Jones, but three is too high. We both agree, right? Like, yeah. Mac Jones is a first-round quarterback, but not that I wouldn't high. even
1: take Trey Lance at three. I wouldn't take anybody but Zach Wilson or in the top five you. or, or Lawrence. except with Fields. You. Yeah.
0: If somehow, someway, the right thing happens in San Francisco and Justin Fields goes at three and Trey Lance is the next guy off and 10 comes and Mac Jones is on the board, not 10, 9, that's where the Broncos are drafting, and 9 comes – and the Denver Broncos are on the board and Mac Jones is there. Does Mac Jones make the Denver Broncos a potential wild card team with what they have there? No. Really?
1: No, because you're talking about a guy that's a dual threat versus a guy that has to stand in the pocket and try to make the Broncos better. And I just like the Broncos. They've tried to draft one dual threat guy, it was Paxton Lynch. He just had a terrible arm, and he just pa- wasn't a,
0: pa- wait, a minute, just, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just wasn't that. a Paxton Lynch was not a stop.
1: He I mean? I mean, was
0: like seven foot four, bro. He wasn't it was a mobile,
1: he was a mobile, fucking, was no a mobile QB.
0: He could move around but he was not Lamar Jackson. That's, why that's they a dual threat quarterback him, if I
1: remember correctly, bro. That's that's exactly why they drafted him cuz he could run around bro, a
0: little. Paxton Paxton Ly- Lynch was a fucking scarecrow. What do you mean oh, dual threat?
1: Hold on. I don't I don't believe that. Cuz I remember him coming out of college. He was I know he was 6-7. He's a motherfucker.
0: He, he how are you a dual threat quarterback at 6-7? I mean that your hold own on. point makes no sense.
1: Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking of someone else. So I, know,
0: I don't know you who you're thinking the, of, and I knew it was somebody. I don't know, know who I'm
1: thinking about. Fucking so, so you go with
0: Paxton Lynch.
1: <laughs> so, so you go with the dual threat guy. Uh, the, I don't know if you trust John Elway to keep making decisions on quarterbacks. So like Mac Dude, Jones, obviously over Justin, you,
0: obviously you would choose Justin Fields, but I'm making up a word where Justin Fields isn't there. Is Mac Jones a good enough quarterback with that receiving core in Denver to make a difference i don't know how you can say no to that question With Devontae smith justin and daniel bottle
1: there and are they better than every other uh
0: secondary in the league Jer- jerry judy is a very good wide receiver I know. Uh, yeah and I and behind jerry judy they're not a plus across the board but they have a decently young good receiving core there they're not you just made a point a minute ago if justin fields got there that the running game isn't too bad either their offensive line's not great but it's not the worst Mac Jones, who's only 20 some years old. I know he's not he's not fleet of foot, but he's not stone footed. He's not 40. He can move around a little bit. A little I bit. think that the Denver Broncos may be an eight or a nine win team with Mac Jones, which is why I think it's an absolute fucking mistake for San Francisco to take him. Mac Jones makes your team worse than San Francisco. Mac Jones makes the Denver Broncos significantly better. It has to be the only pick for better the than Broncos. Fields? No, but Fields isn't gonna be there. Like gotcha. I can't, I can't convince myself that San Francisco's so stupid to pass on Justin Fields. I'd be, I I'd be hard, pr- I'd be hard away.
1: pressed, I'd be hard pressed to uh, also to think that Matt Rule, uh, with what he's got going on in Carolina, even with Teddy Bridgewater playing as well as he did last year, is gonna, as a college coach who has seen this over a couple of years, is gonna pass on a guy like Justin Fields. I, well. I
0: think, I think Trey Lance is his guy, bro.
1: He's got, he's got that offense for it.
0: I think that gadget um, quarterback is what he's after. And that's what, listen, if Trey Lance reaches gadget, his peak, Gadget
1: quarterbacks, fucking Taysom Hill.
0: Well, Taysom Hill's a bad gadget quarterback. Like, it's, it's he's just a big body, right? Like, I, it, I believe Trey Lance has a 20% chance of being an NFL player. But in order for him to accomplish that 20% chance, he needs a Matt Rule, a Joe Judge. He needs a college coach can't be an nfl an old school well, i think NFL. that but i
1: think that's why people were talking about he be they think he's going to be a good friend in San in san Francisco he's going to be a developmental guy and shanahan has that like that motion offense and those short little dink and dunk passes and you know but we'll, 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 we'll see what happens justin I'm talking fields about is again.
0: better at all those things why would you take the guy worse at all those things
1: bro i don't know i, I couldn't Who tell played you for
0: a real program and pay, played against real schools
1: Yeah, I would. I would I know.
0: I know that we started this episode off with. You can't say anything about the school that the quarterback comes from. I still believe that, but there is a difference between Division One, Double A, and an SEC school, right? Like we can't pretend that there's not. Like there's a difference between. Ohio yeah I mean, State we we can but when State.
1: but when there's guys coming out of fucking Wyoming doing what you know, doing what they're doing and Cal doing what they're doing, like, like I can I can make is, up that is all a
0: day. that's a unique situation, right? That's a specific player going to a school in his area. That, that didn't think he would ever be as good as he is. That's just a brilliant dude. Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers are fucking rocket scientist level IQs, bro. That's what those quarterbacks are. That's why they became great quarterbacks. It's not because athletically they're lighting the world on fire. I mean, Josh Allen's a fucking incredible athlete for his size. But that's not, it wasn't. That was Josh Allen going going somewhere. Didn't close to Russ home.
1: go? To, didn't Russ go to Wisconsin? I think he went to. He um, probably went more, more for baseball think, too, because they had dual programs, right? Well,
0: yeah, and, and Russell Wilson all the way up until he was drafted in the third round was going to play baseball. That's what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, dude, even when he was drafted by the Seahawks, you remember that narrative? Ten years ago, now, whenever, however long ago that was, that was the narrative. When Russell I just Wilson remember, got drafted, I remember was his like, girlfriend.
1: I remember his girlfriend's face being all excited. Who he's no yeah, longer with. But and that was but, that became but, a nice meme.
0: But but it good. was Russell Wilson when he got drafted, bro. For the weeks after, was is this guy going to be a football player? Is he going to go to baseball? Yeah. And that's it's again. Well, they, they, they did the same thing with Kyler Murray.
1: They did the same yeah. thing with Kyler Murray, and he was walking around like, no, I'm pl- um, I'm playing football. Or I can't answer that question for a while. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to play football because, like, damn right, you're going to play football. You're going to be the number one pick. Um sure. so <laughs> I take that football money too. So. Let's uh let's transition to some basketball. Do you want to start with this Zags game or do you want to start with the Sixers?
0: Uh, I don't know that I'm ready to talk about what happened. I haven't even looked at the final score because they were down 28 when I got home. Well
1: not well, I don't need, we don't need to talk about the Sixers tonight. I'll, we we talked about the last the, so let's talk about this. We had this discussion before Embiid went out and and a lot has happened just in the NBA in general. Seedings have changed. Uh, team the playoff picture starting to clear up a little bit KD still not playing LeBron's still out the Nuggets are going on runs Michael Porter Jr. is playing out of his mind Utah is still blowing people out the Clippers just look like they're going to clip the Phoenix Suns are second in the West and Brooklyn playing without Kevin Durant is still tied with the Sixers who were playing without Joel Embiid but they've been playing without KD now what for six weeks so we talked about Joel's MVP chances if the team was really good without him that he would have to be insanely dominant over the last 25 games to have a chance to win MVP. LeBron looks like he's not coming back for four weeks, so he's going to be out of the MVP discussion. So at at this point, it's come down to basically three guys that people are um, talking about, which Dame is starting to get more conversation uh, about this. James Harden still getting some conversations and some writers are going to write him off just because of what happened in Houston. Uh, But he is carrying that Nets team with Kyrie Irving without KD And uh, who's the other, uh, Dame, and Nikola Jokic.
0: Well, uh, Nikola Jokic uh, is the MVP right now. Yeah, he's
1: playing. Denver is playing. I I would not be surprised if Denver actually made it out the West, either this year or last. And it's not because of Jokic. It's because Murray's playing finally as well as he was in the bubble. And Michael Porter Jr. is playing exactly the way that teams thought he was going to be coming out of college. And I'll tell you one thing about- you
0: and I talked about Michael Porter Jr. when we first met each other a couple years back at the outlet. That was yeah. our first basketball conversation. Was Mark I Peter wanted the Jr. Sixers
1: to pick him so yeah. badly. And he was he was available for them, yeah. and I was pissed off about it. But here's the thing. Given the way that the Markel Fultz situation happened and also the way that the previous draft pick, uh, what was his name, Zaire Smith, happened with these weird injuries <laughs> and then Ben Simmons' injury history. But it took him a couple years to get started. And Bede's injury history, Nerlens Noel sitting out the first year, it is very possible that Michael Porter Jr. would have never stepped foot on the Sixers floor before the fans just ran him out of town and he got traded to somewhere else anyway. But Michael Porter Jr. is is as good as he was advertised in college. He's an, well, an absolutely Michael Porter, phenomenal. Jr.,
0: Michael Porter Jr., they were correct on, just like they were correct on Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz wasn't the consensus number one draft pick until five months before the draft, four months yeah. before the draft. Um, and again, this is why the tournament skews idea. I mean, Ty Maxey, if he becomes a real, a real player, we were a beneficiary of not having a tournament. Cause that guy in a tournament on a college team is a different type player. Like sure. De'Aaron Fox, right? That's, that's who he reminds me of. De'Aaron Fox was a uh, 18 to 24 pre-tournament tournament came shot up every fucking board because he was all energy. He was fast paced up and down the court, aggressive, big body. So, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. probably does get ran out of town. I don't want to say he doesn't, but I don't know that Michael Porter Jr. would have had the level of expectations that, like, Zaire Smith and Markel Fultz had two different levels of expectations. I mean, Zaire yeah. Smith was built up, but that was the fucking fault of the front office. That we we the built them all up after
1: we draft them. Yeah,
0: The, the Colangelos wanted, the, wanted everybody to believe that every fucking guy they drafted was the next Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, yeah. and they just aren't, because they were bad at fucking drafting so I, I I question whether the 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 level of of pressure would have been the same. He may have been able to escape it, but I'll tell you one yeah. thing, he doesn't accomplish his his potential here during those years. It just doesn't happen. There's no fucking way that yeah. that happens because you're agree. probably a better team with Brett Brown. You probably don't get rid of Brett Brown the year you do. You probably don't wind up with Doc Rivers at the same time. And it's just not the same. I, I think it would have changed everything, but I was hundred percent with you. Michael Porter Jr. Was the right guy to draft that year.
1: Yeah. And he kind of, he kind of plays in, in the position that we ended up, you know, Jimmy Butler and Toby ended up playing, um, you know, as well, uh, it, it, and Bead came back last night. I thought it was funny that, and I'm not sure, like he, he, he obviously sat out tonight I thought it was funny that he marked the Timberwolves game just because of his history with Carl Anthony Towns. Well, had yeah. uh, they, they ended up winning that game by 10. So they went seven and three without Joel Embiid. Call it um, seven
0: and four because he sat out tonight and they got fucking slaughtered.
1: Yeah, you can call it you can call it whatever you want, but the stretch of games he was out was seven and three. That being said the best part about that was during that time frame and now in the in the rankings the Sixers have the number 1 rated defense with or without Joel Embiid in the NBA which means that even when Embiid is out there's other guys that are carrying the offense enough to get wins and Dwight Howard is doing his job at the rim on defense and I have been listening to uh, a couple Lakers fans on Sirius Sirius XM and I was asking you this question two or three months ago Justin Marcus Sewell this year, who for whatever reason the Lakers decided they were going to get rid of JaVale McGee, they were going to get rid of Dwight Howard, and at the last minute they signed Marcus Sewell. Marcus Soul is averaging four points a game on forty percent shooting and can't play defense. Last year in less minutes, Dwight Howard for the Lakers averaged seven or eight points and seven rebounds in about twelve to fifteen minutes a game. They obviously just signed Andre Drummond. Do you think the Lakers, when, if they get back healthy, are going to have enough time to get together and make that run through the West with how good the West is right now? Yeah. You still think they're the overwhelming favorite?
0: It's, it's, it's LeBron James. Yeah.
1: We question, we question, we, we, we make, we make, uh, we try to question it every year, I feel like.
0: Yeah. No, but you can't. It's LeBron James. No. No, Here's the, here's the other
1: thing, though. The last time he was injured for an extended period of time was two years ago and they ended up missing the
0: playoffs. Yeah, but he'll be healthy for the postseason, and they're going to be in the postseason. Yeah. No, no concern. Yeah. Okay. No concern. So, well, LeBron James in the playoffs is a different – if you're not a an avid NBA fan, you just don't understand the difference between regular season LeBron and playoff LeBron if you genuinely ask yourself that question. When LeBron James makes the playoffs, he goes to the finals. That is just the truth. LeBron James has been to more NBA finals than 27 NBA franchises in their history. Yeah. I'm gonna say it one more time. I know you know it, but for those who are gonna listen on Spotify, I'm gonna repeat it. 27 NBA franchises have less a finals appearances than LeBron James does himself. Case case closed. Um, I do have to talk about the Sixers tonight without Joel Embiid just for a minute, and because what the fuck. So we're first gonna talk. So the final score is 116 Memphis, 106 the 76ers. Uh, when I got out of the car when the third quarter ended, they were down 28. They made up ground in the th- in the fourth quarter. Um, they outscored them 29 to 19 in the fourth quarter. Woohoo! Um, it mattered. Yeah. yeah w- w- congratulations. The Memphis Grizzlies had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players in double digits. De'Anthony Melton scored 14 points in 15 minutes. Whew. Jonas Valanciunas had 16 and 12. Uh, John Morant had eight points, ten assists, and five boards. Uh, Desmond Bain had fourteen points, who we loved coming out of the trail. Yeah, we did.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, uh, Clark had fifteen points. Brooks had seventeen points. Everything that Memphis shot fell. At one point in time in the game, I heard uh, uh, on the radio, um, <laughs> the Sixers had seventeen assists on twenty-six field goals, and the next stat that the 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 radio <laughs> shared was that the Grizzlies had made 14 three-pointers. 26 field goals for the Sixers as a team. 14 threes for Memphis. Crazy. Now let's talk about Joel Embiid comes back last night. The entirety of the game plan changes, right? When you have Joel Embiid in the game, everything changes. This is how bad that effect was because Joe had to piss off Cat again. So Tobias Harris has 21 and eight, respectable. That's where we want him to be in 27 minutes. One, two, three, four, nine, 12, 18. Your other four starters combine for 23 points. Tobias has 21. Your uh-huh. other four starters combine for 23 points. The only other two guys in double digits were Shake Milton with 14, which happened before the fourth quarter, because he had that when the fourth, third quarter ended, And Paul Reed in Trash Time had 10. There is a problem that this team has had for years. We know this as Philadelphia 76ers fans. They play down the competition. Joel Embiid comes back last night. Not that Minnesota's great competition, but they played up, and Joe came back, and they were energized. They walk into this game, bro, and at three different times they were down by more than 20. And at one point it was as much as 28. And that is a problem that this team has always uh, struggled with.
1: I wanna I wanna throw it out though, because this year specifically, there's been these massive blowouts by halftime in the end of the third quarter in the NBA that I haven't seen in other years. Just the other night, OKC <laughs> was down 40, was down forty or fifty. 53 to Tor- points to Toronto uh, it was one, then, 100,
0: 102 to 49. And then earlier in
1: the year, the Clippers were down 50 at half. The Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both Speaking playing.
0: of, did you see the uh, 10-day contract for Boogie to the Clippers? I mean, he's got to make that team, right?
1: He'll be he'll, I mean, he's he's
0: good for practice, I guess, no, right? No, but it's a Vika Zubac. If you're trying to make a run, he's got to make that team. I, he's gonna
1: make it, but like, is he? He's like, he steps on his toes and and injures himself. <laughs> Careful, <laughs> he's bro. like,
0: Bo- boogie's a hood, motherfucker. Careful, bro. He'll come find you.
1: I know he will. <laughs> Just like Kevin Durant's gonna find Rappaport, beat his ass, right? <laughs> uh, so let's let's Fuck finish Kevin with Durant. Let's fin. Oh, do you still think, by the way, that um, so Brooklyn's tied with the Sixers? I th- actually, they're probably a half game up now you still think the Sixers are going to win the East?
0: I think it's more than reasonable, bro. Kevin Durant, I, I this, he might not Kevin, come back. I'm Kevin Durant might not early. play again this year. Now he, maybe they're just, maybe they're just holding them off to the playoffs because they're afraid of showing their hand. Maybe that's the stupid shit that's going down in Brooklyn, but yeah, I, 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 without a doubt in my mind, they could win the East. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So for those likelihoods
0: two- changed any, it's a coin flip. It's Brooklyn well, or Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, and the Bucks are a game and a half back. And let's talk about this real quick because they just gave uh, Drew Holiday an extension. He just hit a game winner for them the other night. They didn't have a guy last year and, and and I'm not I don't want to talk about Giannis. I we all know what Giannis is going to and not going to do. We all know at this point what Chris Middleton is and is not going to do. Drew Holiday was a sixer for a while, and I do remember him being a clutch sixer. He was a fourth quarter guy. He was in, in New Orleans. He has been everywhere he's gone and he can be with the Bucks. If there's going to be a difference in the playoffs this year, it's not that Giannis is going to start hitting shots or coming up clutch or dominate statistically. It's going to be that Drew Holiday knows how to close games. So keep an eye out for that. I'm not a believer in Utah. I'm not a believer in the Bucks, But I do think that Drew Holiday makes a significant difference for that team because they do have someone now that they can go to in crunch time in the fourth, and Giannis doesn't have to touch the basketball.
0: Um, But I don't know that he's, I don't know that he drew holiday is anywhere close to good enough as a closer in the fourth quarter against a team that plays defense like the Sixers do. Sure. And I don't think that Milwaukee as a team is defensively good enough to stop Brooklyn from running up 130, or 140 every night.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 to be honest with you, man, if Kevin Durant – I I think the NBA is better with Kevin Durant on the basketball floor. I love watching him play basketball. He was supposed to initially be out two to three weeks. I think it's been six now, uh, maybe five. I'm not sure, but it's starting to feel like they're not going to start getting him ready until they have to condition him to start running around for the playoffs, and that's just a sad thing for Brooklyn. But it's – I never thought – if you had sent this year, because so many things were happening in Houston over the years, if you had sent – kept kept D'Antoni as the coach there and sent Kyrie Irving over to Houston. Do you feel like this would have been the result? Or do you think it's just because they're in the East? It has to be just because they're in the East, right?
0: Because those two, those two in my mind are not
1: a first place Eastern conference team.
0: Well, what, what changes is uh, the, the, so the talent disparity East versus West has changed a little, right? Like I know LeBron went West, but James Harden came East. uh, Russell Westbrook's in the East. Uh, Kevin Durant's in the East, uh, Jimmy Butler's in the East, Pascal Siakam. Like, there's guys, right? So Jason Tatum, there's guys. What I believe separates the East and the West so far, though, like where, where they're so far different, is coaching. It's just coaching. There, there are significantly better coaches. Like, who's a better coach, Mike Malone or Steve Nash? Mike Malone, right? I, I, I'm going to disagree with that because – we so 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 get through one show. I can't get through one fucking well, show. because we've been talking how are about you that? going to defend a first year coach Steve Nash against? I'm not. The, I'm not. Go that's ahead.
1: that's not the answer to the question. I wasn't going to say Steve Nash. I'm not, it's well, not. Nash. That, that was the Nash. question.
0: The question was who's better, Mike Malone or Steve Nash? Mike, Mike Malone. Malone's better. So yeah. the coaching in the West. Is just better.
1: But the my point was gonna be you're giving me an example of one team when for the past year we've talking we've been talking about Brad Stevens and Eric Spolster being two of the best coaches in the league. Now, I know the Celtics are. are having an awful year. So and but Brad here, Stevens. Here's that, the has not Even good
0: even this in year. even in the bad teams in the West, Greg Popovich is a coach. Right. Even in the bad teams, right? Like Van Gundy's a fucking throwaway. But yeah, just like so. there's throwaways in the East. Terrible. But there there are and Brad Stevens, dude, again, I mean, we do. we see Tori on, on Facebook every fucking day, it feels like, sometimes, on on team fucking burn Brad Stevens' house down so he has to move out of town. Like, that. Brad Stevens is faltering, bro. Like, Eric Spoelstra won something. Now, it took LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, but Spo won, and Spo's build on that. Like, Brad yeah. Stevens never won. I think Brad Stevens could be one of these guys that we look at in a couple years and go... Man, we thought this guy was the fucking the next dude, and he's just not it.
1: They've got enough guys to figure out how to be better than a 500 basketball team. The Knicks are ahead of them. The Hawks are still ahead of them, and the Hornets are still ahead of them. Um, the like Heat, Nick
0: Nurse in Toronto, like Nick he's a, Nurse was he's the a next good guy.
1: Yeah, they well he, they don't. I mean, their roster is is their point guard's old. They've developed a bunch of second round guys. Pascal Pascal Siakam's a star. I mean, they they're they're just not a very good team um they had they had they had one of those lightning in a bottle runs with Kawhi that the eagles had like to the super bowl in 2017 where people got injured in the other conference kd tore his achilles they went through the east on a lucky bout like it was a lightning in a bottle run to the championship and they're never going to get anywhere close to that for the next decade uh, but he, uh, it doesn't mean he's not a good but coach i just think- have
0: but you do have guys bro like pascal siakam's not Giannis. i don't i don't take no. away from that but, but got, you have yeah, OG Ananobi, you've got Fred Van Vliet, you've got Kyle Lowry still. You should be better than you are. If you yeah, were as yeah. good a coach as you tried to fucking sell me in the last couple of years, you should be fucking better than you are, and you're not. Yeah. I mean, again, Spo is the prime example of that to me. Spo is the guy that has shown you year after year, team doesn't after matter. team. It doesn't matter. He's gonna you going to make a the playoff, they're going to be
1: a tough matchup.
0: Exactly, it's because go, it's he gets going, guys to yeah. play for him. For sure. Uh, and
1: this and is by, what – go ahead. Yeah. No. By the way, we were trashing the Heat a little, like a couple weeks ago, and they're now the fourth seed. Now there's a big gap between one, two, three, and four. The Bucs are a game and a half from first place, and the Heat are the next team down, and they're eight games back. So it's a, it's a, it's really a two team race. But if you want to throw the Bucks and they have like this magical run, you could do it. But Spo is coaching this team up where they're going to be. I mean, they're going to end up playing the Hornets, and they're going to sweep them. To me,
0: to me, this <laughs> like, is why. This is why it's imperative for the Sixers to be the one or the two. Not necessarily the one, the one or the two. Because if you're the one or the two, you're going to get trash team. Let's say you're two. You're going to get seven in the first round. And then you're probably going to wind up with four or five, if you're lucky. And four or five is hopefully not going to be the Heat. Hopefully the Heat just give a fucking problem to the Bucks or to the Nets or wherever the fuck they fall. And you don't – unless you meet the Heat in the conference finals by some – Fucking divine thing happening. I I
1: wouldn't be surprised.
0: You don't want to see the Heat unless it's in the Eastern Conference Finals, because by that point you'll have enough momentum rolling, you'll be fine. But you cannot, you can't face the Heat in the first round. Like this is why one and two is so important. Where the Heat, the Heat are going to be between four and six. You can't fall to three. You have to stay between one and two. The The Sixers would have
1: the Sixers would have to take an incredible dive to finish past two. They would have yeah. it would have to be incredible. I mean there's what 30 games 20 games left 25. Something like and that. they're they're eight games up from the fourth seed. So we awesome thing kind of. How great would it be to get a Celtics matchup in the first round who are the 8th seed right now and the Sixers just sweep the fucking oh. Celtics. I would love to see after, that. After
0: after last year it would be yeah. perfect. And you know, let and, me tell and, you something, you uh-huh. want to start Joel Embiid's playoff run off hard. That's yeah. how you start Joel yeah. the Yeah, they're going to be
1: amped up for that. So they at this moment they would play the Heat, and then they'd play the winner uh, of the four or five, which, or I'm sorry, the Celtics, and then they'd play the winner of the four or five, which would be the Heat. That's not really an easy road to a conference finals, but those are two teams that you'd really like to kind of see what they got. Because if you can't get past the Celtics and Heat, you don't deserve to be in the conference finals anyway. They're Correct. typically well well coached teams that have superstars on them. So the, the, that's and where listen. You
0: want to go. I need to say this. James Harden's body is breaking down. I don't give a fuck what any of you motherfucking James Harden lovers try to tell me. James Harden's 32-year-old body is breaking down. It's happening. Like James Harden has had what two different... What is,
1: what, where, where is this coming from? James
0: Harden has had two different quad strains this season alone. It's been a, a nagging thing he's dealt he with. His in over, career. He comes in overweight. <laughs> H- hold on. Kyrie Irving cannot win alone. And I'm no. telling you... When if Kevin Durant is their secret weapon come the playoffs, I don't care if it's the Heat. I don't care if it's the Celtics. I don't care if somehow they draw the Sixers in the first round. Whoever they play is going to play Kevin Durant like it's 1996. And Kevin Durant is coming out of that series. He will not make it through if he's actually hurt. And if that happens and you now start to work down James Harden, this team is, is on the brink of collapse. Like, I'm, I just imagine a world with me. I want to. I want to take you on a trip. Real what things. Blake
1: and uh, Bla- Blake and uh, Lamarcus Aldridge don't do enough I, for you.
0: I want to take you on a trip. I want to take you on a trip where the the Sixers sweep the Celtics, they win a six game series against the Net, the the Heat, and they face the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals, who had two six game series because they mm-hmm. don't know how to spell defense. And the Sixers sweep the Brooklyn Nets. That has to be the shittiest end for that Brooklyn franchise. <laughs> I think that the ownership of the Brooklyn Nets would rather have to walk down Broad Street to Independence <laughs> Hall, butt naked on live television, than get swept by the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, put more money the, in their the,
1: pocket. The
0: wind. The level of letdown that I feel coming to the Brooklyn Nets is going to be catastrophic to that team. And it's, it's proof of what, while the Sixers process wasn't fun, it was a shitty handful of seasons. It was the right way because when you buy it all, it never works out.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, the only, I, I haven't seen what the, who's the last team that bought everybody and won a championship.
0: There, it's I t- t- take your time. I, I, I won't remember it.
1: I mean, you can you, you can call like Kevin Durant getting bought by the Warriors, but that was one player yeah, making but a they move. they had to already had titles filled. with
0: Stephen Clay. Yeah, the the you already had, had a guys
1: put together. So right. Miami was the last one, and they had LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, and they only they and they still <laughs> only won two out of four, and they should have won three out of four. So and they when, bought
0: when, more for sure. They bought LeBron and Bosh, but Wade yeah. was a hometown product.
1: Yeah, and then they brought bring in Shane Battier and Ray Allen's there, well, and Mike who, Miller's there,
0: whom, whom on the Brooklyn Nets. Is the hometown product? I'll save your breath. There isn't cool. one. Ah, gone. Caris,
1: Dinwiddie's out for the year. There was Dinwiddie before. Uh-huh. but That was it. Yeah. But but it.
0: what is Dinwiddie on a team with Kyrie okay. Irving and and James yeah. Harden? And but Caris a nine Lavert. minute a nine minute a guy guard that only plays when someone's in foul trouble or someone's yeah. hurt. They don't have a hometown guy. Yeah. Like Lavert's DeAndre hard. Jordan was a free agent. Kevin yeah. Durant's a free agent. James Harden was a trade acquisition. Kyrie Irving's a free agent. They bought the team. That does not win ever, ever in any sport. It's never won.
1: Yeah. Yeah, to, I mean, the Browns have been trying to do it for years, right? So let's finish up with the uh, Zags and UCLA. I watched the game live last night. It was one Greatest of the best college,
0: college basketball game in history.
1: It, it might be. It was – It was. Uh,
0: I don't remember Bro, watching. Bro, they both scored 90. I know. The college I don't remember. basketball game where they both scored 90. How's yeah, it not people, the best that ends are, on a buzzer? People are meter.
1: bringing up the Villanova game. This game was – Different. You know – It's a one-versus-11 seed. There's there's, Gonzaga's been blowing everybody out. They've been scoring 90 every game and holding their opponent to 50, 60, 70. UCLA uh, had an inconsistent year. They go on this run, and then all of a sudden they're just basket for basket the entire game. And it was weird because I was watching the game, and I kept thinking to myself, there's two guys on Gonzaga right now that don't look like they're nervous that they're going to lose their undefeated season. And it was Timmy and Suggs and the whole UCLA team just kept playing their basketball. And I'm like, I thought Gonzaga was going to lose for a couple minutes. Cause it looked like a couple of those guys were shrinking in the moment. And the two guys that ended up making the biggest play, first of all, Timmy takes a charge late in the game. Uh, four with fouls. four fouls yeah. and so he could have fouled out he takes a charge the guy missed the shot anyway but if he calls it a foul they, they end up going up too and it's a whole different ball game so we all want to talk about Jalen Sugg's game-winning shot which was it was he can say he felt like it was going in it was banked from from 45 feet out and, and it ended up going in so you might have felt it it might have felt like a good shot the defender I don't think did a great job of getting in his face and he had a clear look at the bucket right The better play from Jalen, that was not his defining moment. His defining moment was at the end of the game during a tie game in the fourth quarter, it looked like Gonzaga was kind of crumbling under the pressure a little bit. Not that they were not – like it wasn't a close game. Jalen Suggs blocks a shot on one end of the floor, goes and gets his block shot And then dimes a bounce pass between three UCLA defenders to Timmy for a slam dunk. A four-point turnaround that, in my opinion, ended up putting them in position to go into OT. Timmy scored the first three baskets of OT, which people aren't even talking about because Suggs hit the shot. Carries them into OT. uh, and, And then obviously everything transpires. He ends up hitting the three. UCLA just seemed like if the game went on for another 10 minutes, it was just going to keep like, it had to be the last shot. It had, it was was an incredible basketball
0: game. (laughs) It was, I didn't catch it live. I watched a a condensed version. Um, I caught the fourth quarter from about three minutes out to the end, all the way through overtime. I did watch in, in succession, uh, which was, I'll say it was the craziest end to a college basketball game ever. And, and maybe not the craziest, the most exciting, uh, yeah. the most competitive, the most riveting. I mean, it was fucking incredible. It was, it was March Madness basketball, bro. Yeah. It's been so long since. And maybe Nova's shot is the closest we've gotten in a long time, which is yeah. why that's what everybody's trying to throw up there. I'm sorry, bro. I'm a Nova fan. I'm from the area. I'm a no- I've been a yeah. Nova fan forever. That was not the same. It's just no, different. It, it I didn't mean, feel the same. This- gonzaga's got something special going on right now it, it is one of those teams like 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 nova was for those couple of years it's just it is a special group of guys that is is trying to accomplish the impossible and so far so fucking good dude they are balling and i'm I'm excited to see how it ends dude
1: yeah and here's the here's the other thing uh villanova that year would they have one or two losses i think so the last team to two. So the last team to go undefeated, it happened in 1967. I mean, that was the last It's – it's been 50 years, over 50 years since the team has done this, uh, 54 years. So watching history in the making, a little bit different for me. I know there's a lot of people on my Facebook from the tri-state area, so obviously Villanova is going to
0: take it. 1975-76 was the last undefeated college basketball team. Who was it? Bob Knights Hoosiers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 40, 50 years, almost 50 that's, years. That's
0: a fucking long time ago, yeah. bro. It doesn't
1: happen, right? Like how, <laughs> how it's, it's so hard to go undefeated and they got pushed. And to be honest with you, I'm thinking, cause I never thought that game was going to be that close. I think UCLA was just so well coached and their players played out of their mind. I'm not sure how this Baylor game's going to go because I haven't watched enough Baylor basketball, but I can't imagine that Baylor is going to be able to put up the fight that I just saw from UCLA. I'm not sure how the game's going to go. They couldn't fucking lose. I-, I don't know. I would like to see them complete it, and I, I like seeing history. I'm just one of those guys.
0: I want to see the Zags win now. Like, I mean, it's just – it's they have – again, dude, it was witnessing something special. We were all part of something special, and it was a it was a fucking incredible basketball game. Yeah. just a, like 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 lebron james versus the 73 and and 9 warriors yeah. in, the, in the finals incredible mm-hmm. basketball game
1: yeah yeah it was so that's all we got tonight for big facts we'll be back Wednesday we're going to start having a little bit of a, a rotating uh I, I guess you could say cast coming on we with us we got our
0: first guest coming on Wednesday
1: yeah on Wednesday uh, rich used to work with us at our, our, fa- uh, our friend Auto rich galman
0: who who is a monster 49ers fan 49ers fan uh who yeah. i i can't wait to pick his brain i know he's a Justin Fields fan like i am uh we're going to we're going to have him on 15 or 20 minutes a, a little a little under half the show uh, we're going to talk about his team. We're going to talk about him being raised in a Philly area, get his ID on other sports. He's mostly a football guy, but he's going to be our first guy on. And, again, I can't – everybody, you're watching this, if you're listening on Spotify, email us, bigfacts at gmail.com. Find our Facebook, like it, comment, send us a message. We're trying to get somebody on at least one of the the two episodes a week. Hopefully every episode we get somebody to rotate on and we can get different perspectives and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it'll be a good time. So we'll see you guys Wednesday at 9 or 10 p.m. We will let you know it's usually 10, right? We're going to be on a 10 on Wednesday. No,
0: nah, we've been doing 9, homie.
1: Have we? Uh, every we day just every day just kind of. I mean,
0: you're yeah. the fucking queen of schedule changes. So if if it goes to 10, it goes to 10. I mean, it is what it is. All right,
1: we'll be back Wednesday. Big, uh, big facts, all streaming platforms. This episode will be on Spotify tomorrow, and uh, we will see you guys then.
0: All right, bro.